I am so excited today uh, because we're going to start a new series, and it's a, it's a very, very important series. Um, it's one that you have to, you have to understand, and you have to learn how to walk in it. We're going to talk about the believer's authority. We're going to talk about our authority that we have been given in Christ. And the reason why this is so important is the blessings of God are all yours. But they don't just fall on you and automatically happen. Just because he bore your sickness and carried your pain does not mean that you will walk in health. There are Christians today that will die of sickness and disease prematurely because they might not know that or they might not understand that. They might not know how to receive that because you have to lay hold of all of these things that God has given us by his grace. Everything, the whole redemptive act of Jesus, everything God gave us by his grace. By his grace, he made it available for me to become and be made the very righteousness of Almighty God. By his grace, his grace is actually available to me. His divine ability. I mean, by his grace, he gave me the mighty Holy Spirit. All of these things. But I must seize hold of them and receive them through faith. And, and, and the Bible always says, what things soever you desire when you pray... You believe that you receive them. That, that word receive means you seize hold of them. Why do you have to seize hold of them? Because there's an enemy that's going to try to deceive you into letting it go. I don't deserve it. It's not working out. I start believing what I see instead of believing what the word says. And I could let these things go. To seize hold of something, you have to know not only has it been given to you, but you now have authority and power to grab hold of it. In this day that we're living in, you know, the last day started when Jesus came out of the tomb. We are now in the last of the last days. Perilous times are here. They're not coming, right? The enemy is out there. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And I'm here to tell you, no matter what is happening in the earth, God will protect you. He will provide everything for you. He will literally strengthen you to stand and lay hold of, ev of everything. Because what he wants to show you is, is all that he has done for you. You and I are to walk on the earth in our lives as Jesus walked. Free from fear. The Bible says, if you say you abide in him, you ought to walk like he walked. Jesus said, the works that I do, greater works are you going to do because I'm going to the Father. Right? I mean, Jesus said some incredible things. As the Father has called me, Jesus said, so now I am calling you. Right? Jesus said when he was on the earth, listen, it's the Father in me that does the works. What do we say? It's the spirit of Christ that is in me that when I lay hands on the sick, he heals them. 
that when I speak to the mountain in the name of Jesus using my authority that I've been given, what have I been given? I've been given his name. And when I speak his name, he performs it and will move that mountain. God, listen, I would love to tell you that you know, you're living in a time and you're just going to be able to live down here and live out your life and kind of have God as a little peripheral thing. Read the Bible if you feel like it. Go to church if you feel like it. And everything's going to be okay. But those days are just gone. Satan's playing for keeps because he knows he has only a little time left. And he is to not even rattle the windows of your life. And this is why we have to talk about this. So we're going to talk about the authority of the believer. There's a, there's some, there's a few great books out there on that, and I might, I might bring some of those in here as we're going. We're going to see in the Word of God that we were created, we were ordained, and we were appointed to have dominion in the earth. That was God's original plan, and it's God's plan right now. He never changes. Dominion, what is that? That word dominion means the right and the power to govern, to control. That word literally means sovereign authority, right? Is God sovereign? Absolutely. He, and he sovereignly, he sovereignly set it up that you would have sovereign authority in your life. And he's given you his authority. So this is powerful. You'll have to know about the believer's authority to move in the plan of God for your life. You're going to have to know your authority. Because the enemy is going to try to talk you out of it. And he'll use circumstances and people. He'll try to, he, anything God calls you to do, you'll look at it and go, that's way bigger than me. I can't do that. There'll be things in your life where you'll have it in your heart that you're going that way, right? That I'm supposed to go this way. And, and, and Satan will be going, well, hey, why don't you just go that way? Because there's a way. Yeah. Or go this way. But no, God's saying go this way. And you're like, in the natural, you're going, there's no way, right? The Bible says that as you meditate in the word day and night and you start to observe yourself doing all that's written, it says then you will make your way prosperous. How will you do that? You'll speak in the name of Jesus and God will part that Red Sea for you. But you have to understand the authority that you've been given to walk out the plan of God for your life. This is why many people are frustrated because they're, they just, they don't, they don't see it. And that's why we have to meditate on these scriptures. You'll have to understand the believer's authority, in other words, to fulfill God's plan for your life. And that's what we want to do, Right? The believer's authority is literally God's plan to protect his family on the earth. He has given us authority. The Bible says things like this, 
the angel of the Lord encamps round about them that reverence, honor, and respect him. And they are there to deliver. Isn't that good? Right? In our society today, they say human trafficking of children is, is about to surpass the drug industry. Isn't it nice to know that the word salvation means freedom from apprehension? So you as a parent, you stand in your authority and, and you say, you just declare, Father, I thank you that the angel of the Lord is encamped round about my baby, my child, my children. And I declare they'll never be apprehended. That they'll never be in a place where they're jeopardized. Isn't that good to know? Man, I'm telling you, you know how people are afraid now. That's, that's part of our witness. Listen, God will protect your kids. Right? You gotta, I would write that down. The believer's authority is God's plan to protect his family in the earth. See, it doesn't happen automatically. You've got to understand it. You have to walk in it. Okay? That's why you've got to be careful what you hear. Well, you just never know what God's going to do. You know, he allows some of this stuff. No, no, he has to allow what you allow. Every bad thing happening in the world, it's not God's fault. It's, a, it's because man has been given authority and he made the wrong choice. Right? We have focused so much of our walk with God on the cross. And that's awesome. But we need to also focus our walk and our relationship with God on the throne. Right? We've preached a cross doctrine. Thank God for the cross. He died for my sins. I'm forgiven. I've, made, I've been made new. But don't forget now where you are seated. You are seated at the right hand of God in Christ, far above all principalities and powers. You have been taken out once and for all out of the delegated influence of darkness, and now you're not there anymore. Right? You have been given authority over anything the enemy tries to do in your life. See, we, we've got to do this and make this adjustment. We tend to look at what we've been born out of, right? We tend to live our lives looking at what we've been born out of, and that's great, but we've also got to look to what we've been born into, right? When you open your eyes in the morning, it should make those demons set against your life shudder. Oh my gosh, he or she is up again, right? And especially when you're up, Father, thank you for this day. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad in it. I'm going to walk in the authority that you've given me. Right? I'm going to walk as you walked in the earth. I am fearless because I don't have the spirit of fear. I have been given your name. And at your name, demons will tremble. Right? Those little guys that are assigned against you, they're going to be going, oh man, here we go again, right? They got to go give a report to Satan. Yeah, uh, sorry, right? 
So when we look at the Genesis account, we have to go all the way back here because it's God. You have to get this. It's God's original plan that man, as soon as he made man, he gave him dominion in the earth. And he told him to subdue the earth. So the Genesis account, an aerial view of this, is God in first person dictated to Moses the first five books of the Bible, Hebrew letter by Hebrew letter. He dictated it in first person how he created the heavens and the earth. You have to choose whether or not you believe that. Right? You're going to have to choose that, just like everything else in the Bible. Listen, God, God is real. His word is true. Every word in this Bible is forever established in heaven and cannot be changed. Right? So God, in first person, dictated to Moses, letter by letter, how he created the heavens and how he created the earth. Actually, he dictated those first five books of the Bible. They're unlike any books, of the, uh, any books anywhere. They are literally, literally, Einstein recognized, they are literally a mathematical cipher. Every word. Interesting. So what God does is God tells you the truth, and then you must decide whether you believe it or not. Well, I think I'm looking at a bunch of believers out here today. Amen? Let every man be a liar, but let God be true. If God says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, then I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? If God says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, wow, that enables me to tap in and be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. If God says... In righteousness, you are fixed and immovable that you will be far from oppression because you will never fear and from terror because it won't come near you. This is Isaiah 54. If, if my Bible says no weapon, Tony, as a righteous person, no weapon formed against you will prosper, every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you can condemn that tongue. If, if the word of God says all your children will be taught of the Lord and great will be the peace of your children and that your seed would be mighty on the earth. I don't care what it looks like. And I'm going to stand in the truth and I'm going to declare that and I'm going to watch God bring it all to pass. Right? If God said... Joshua, no man will ever be able to stand before you to block you from doing what I've called you to do all the days of your life because as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. When I understand that God is no respecter of persons, that to me, Joshua 1.5 says, Tony, listen, no man will be able to stand before you and block you from doing my will all the days of your life because as I was with Joshua, as I was with Moses, as I was with Jesus, so I will be with you. If my word, if the word of God says, listen, all things are possible to him who believes. Wow, I'm going to believe that. And I'm going to stand in that and walk in it. 
Now, I might not understand how to do all that. That's okay, because I've got the greater one on the inside of me, the comforter, the helper to help me to lay hold of all of it. He is my teacher. So again, Moses penned the first five books of the Bible as God dictated them to him, Hebrew letter by Hebrew letter. If you ever, I mean, I think in the first verse of the Bible, it has the whole plan of salvation if you look at those Hebrew letters because it gives you pictures. The whole Bible screams Jesus. It's amazing. These books, again, are different than any other books of the Bible. This includes the book of Genesis, the creation account. It's a mathematical code. It's a cipher. A cipher is literally, it's a secret or disguised way of writing. It's a code. It's a mathematical equation. So God, in his attempt to establish a perfect society, creates everything. And then he tells what his purpose is. That's the way God works. You know, he created everything and then he put man in the garden in this perfect scenario. That's a picture of you as a believer. As a believer, do you know you've been given everything? I mean, he, he did everything for you and now here you are. You have, right now, everything. Everything that pertains to life and godliness, you are literally blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. All of them. I mean, we could start making a list, but I bet there's a whole bunch we don't even know that the Lord will reveal to us as we walk out his plan for our life. So, so this is what... God did. Why do I say this? You have to know that God made everything for man. The world is made for man. Why, why in the world, in this world system, do we have this whole environmentalist movement? Right? That It's, it's as if... Man was made for the world. But they do that because you have to take God out of the equation. So everything in the world system's designed, you got to remove God out of the equation. Do you know the whole globalist agenda, all that's going on in the world, when did that start? Oh, it started as soon as sin came. Right? All of it is designed to get God out of society. Everything is designed that way. Oh, it's masked in different ways, and, you know, we think that man's evolving, right? But that's what, that's what people do who are flesh-ruled and use 8 to 10% of their brain. They think, they think they're evolving. But Adam used 100% of his brain, right? Evolution's a joke. It doesn't even work. Creation works. It can be duplicated. You can put scientific theory to all this stuff, and it works, right? It's, it's amazing. God, technology is catching up to God. They figured out now there was a place in history. They call it a big bang. Something happened. Something exploded. Yeah, I'll tell you what it was. 
God said, let there be light. And, and now they know that the whole universe, from that point in time, they could actually measure when it happened. And they could measure, and it, do you realize it's still going? It hasn't slowed down. Why? Because God's word is full of life and power, and it never comes back void. It never, it never returns void. It can't lose power. Do you know when God says, listen, I know the plans and purposes that I have towards you, saith the Lord. They're not plans of evil. They're good plans. And they're, they're to give you an end of expectation. In other words, they are designed, my plans for you is that you walk out every desire that I've placed in your heart. That's what God's, God's will is for your life. It's amazing. Hallelujah. So are we ready to go to Genesis? Let's go to Genesis chapter 1 in verse 26. Genesis 1 verse 26 says this, And God said, Let us make man in our image. The Hebrew word that would mean in our resemblance. And let us make man after our likeness. This Hebrew word means after our conduct, after our function, how we function, how we behave. So let us make man in our image, in our resemblance, and let us make man in our likeness. In other words, we want to make man... See, when you see God, do you realize he has hands, feet? Right? Do you realize, as a born-again believer, you've been made in the image of God? You're a speaking spirit? Right? He breathed into man something from himself, his, his spirit, and man became a living soul. Our body's made out of dirt. That's how come it's going to go back to the dirt. That's how, come, that, that's how come, listen, in the rapture of the church or the resurrection of the dead, God's going to bring back all the DNA, and he's going to put his glory over it and make a glorified body that is no longer subject to pain, sickness, disease. It's eternal. Right? That's how come right now, when you get older, it's a little weird. When you're 90 years old, you're like, okay, I look in the mirror and I know that I'm older, right? But I don't, but I still look at myself as young. Why? Because you're eternal. You're a spirit. You're just living in this earth suit, right? Don't, don't worry about being old. You're not going to be old for very long. You might not be old for very long at all because I don't think we have very much more time here. And what do I mean by that? Well, Pastor Tony believes five weeks to maybe a little over a couple years. No, did he say that? Man. I'm telling you, we're close. And I got to tell you, September 17th, when I'm preaching in this first service, like it's 9.54 right here in Israel, it's 5.54 p.m. At 10 o'clock here, 6 p.m. in Israel, Rosh Hashanah, the next feast, the Feast of Trumpets, will be over. So it's sometime in that morning is when that last trump is blown. Wouldn't it be hilarious if while they're blowing that trumpet in Israel, we hear a different one? You know that's going to happen someday. Soon. 
Will it be this year? I don't know. I know I'm going to be ready. And if it hits 10, if, if he doesn't interrupt my service at 10.01, I'm going to look at my wife and go, okay, I think we might have another year, maybe. Right? And we're going to run hard for Jesus. Because he is our life. Well, I just don't believe that. Well, that's okay. That's all right. Look at this. Let us make man after our image and after our likeness. I love the way God said that. Because you must know your image to walk in a right resemblance. In other words, you've got to know your identity to behave and walk like you've been made to. Right? And then the first thing he says, and let them have dominion. This Hebrew word means the right and the power to rule, to govern, and control. It literally means sovereign authority. Notice how God did not take Satan out of the earth. Satan was to be of no consequence in Adam and Eve's life. They had sovereign authority over them. When, when Satan came in that garden illegally, the way he comes in your life illegally, Eve should have looked at him and said, you shut up and you get out. And you know what he would have had to do? Shut up and get out. He operates as an outlaw. He doesn't play by the rules and he gets you to buy it because it just feels like this is my situation. It looks like this is my situation. But in reality, the truth of God's word will change every fact that doesn't line up. But you got to know that, right? Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. The, I mean, if you want to talk about that, Erie in our church was just in, he was in Canada, and he had sovereign authority over those fish, right? His freezer's full. There's a lot less fish in Canada right now, right? Over the fowl of the air. And all the Oasis group goes, praise God, because these fish fries are off the chart, right? Over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. I love that he said that because Satan creeps on the earth, right? In other words, God gave man authority over everything on the earth. I'm not worried when I go in the ocean. I'm not worried that I'm going to get stung by a jellyfish. Oh, wait, I go in the Pacific Ocean in California. They don't have very many of those. But, but they, I've seen them once in a while. But there's not going to be a shark that's going to take me out. Because when I go in the water, you know, I have respect for the ocean. Right? You're bait. So when you go in the ocean, take authority, right? Take authority. You have authority in the earth. If a storm's coming, listen, the storm can't damage your house because it's yours. Can't damage your car, can't damage this church property, but you got to know your authority. Tornado, you can't come here. Now, I can't keep a tornado from somebody else's house, but I could surely keep it from mine. You, you, you learn the parameters of your authority, right? So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. 
And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. Wow, that's a big statement. What do you mean, replenish? That Hebrew word means refill something that was once filled. There was something here before Adam and Eve? Yes. What was it? I don't know. We kind of call it the pre-Adamic race, whatever. It wasn't man. Satan messed the whole thing up. But man was to refill it and subdue it. That's interesting because the word subdue means to conquer and literally to disable from future resistance. Have dominion, subdue the earth, and then he says again, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Wow. Let's put the Amplified Classic up of that. I want to read that in the Amplified Classic if we can, Carl. Because it even brings it out a little bit more. I want you to see this. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth and subdue it using all its vast resources in the service of God and man and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living, living creature that moves upon the earth. Isn't that good news? Use all the vast resources in the service of God. Pastor, what are you saying? Are you saying you could call in the money that you need? Yeah. Are you saying that you can stand in your authority and bring things into your life? Yes, God has provided that. Wow. See, God would not have told man to subdue the earth if Satan was the God of the world then. Right? They couldn't have done that if he had authority then. He had no authority. He had zero authority. God also, if you see here, he gave man the parameters of his authority. I have ultimate authority in my life because Jeanette is my wife. We have a good measure of authority in our lives. Our kids, so like these guys over here, Philip and Emily, Guess what? They have complete authority in their daughter's life. Complete. Because she's not old enough yet to believe God for herself. But like my kids, they're grown. And as they grow up, you have, you have a measure of authority. But when they're grown, do you know they don't have to obey you anymore? But they still have to honor you if they want to live long on the earth. <laughs> I'm not a mafia dad. I'm not talking me take him out. It's just the promise. You adult children, you better honor your parents. Yeah, but you don't know my mom and dad. Doesn't matter. It's kind of like wives and husbands. You honor each other. Well, only if they deserve it. No, it doesn't say that. Right? You might need some more information on helping you do that, but the Lord will help you there, right? So this is, this is a very important thing. We have the parameters of our authority. 
So now let's run over to Psalm chapter 8. You guys doing okay this morning? I've got to lay a foundation of this, but we're going to hit this pretty thoroughly. Because we, the, this is a subject, this is an absolute necessary subject. Because you know what? I, it's not going to get ultimately crazy until we're out of here. Because the church, and when I say the church, those that know their authority, those that are Christ-centered, those that are living for him, that supply of the spirit that we walk in is keeping the Antichrist from, being, from coming to power. But the minute we're out of here, oh my goodness. I, you know, this, this earth would probably not be a place you'd want to be. But what's, what's hilarious though, see, Satan's plan never gets off the ground. The Antichrist never really, it never really gets off the ground. But he's dealing with a lot of stuff, right? Could you imagine being Satan trying to control all these demonic powers? Yikes, right? So Psalm chapter 8, verse 1 through verse 9. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the Son of Man, that you visit him. For you have made him, man, a little lower than the angels. Wait a minute. That's the Hebrew word Elohim. That's the word God. You have made him a little lower than God. That King James translator could not translate it that way. He's like, there's no way I could say that. Right? We were made a spirit being just like God. Are we God? No. We're his kids. Right? Look at this. And has crowned him with glory and honor. So God made man as close to himself as he could, and then he crowned man with glory and honor. And then what did he do? Verse 6, and he made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Adam and Eve had sovereign authority in the earth. Satan had no authority. Satan was completely under their feet. Okay? All sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowls of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Again, we see God gave man authority. Dominion means sovereign authority. Psalm 115, jump over there real quick. In verse 16. This is just thrilling, especially when you see that there's one attribute about God. He never, ever changes. 
Even though Adam messed that whole thing up, God had a plan. Psalm 115, verse 16, the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth, it's the Hebrew word eretz, but the earth, it means the earth. You know what else it means? You know what else that Hebrew word means? The nations. Hath he given, this word given in the Hebrew language, you could say it this way, hath he delivered to the children of man, of men. God's original intent was to give man authority on the earth, and God never, ever changes. So now, let's fast forward to Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Kind of just coming through us a trail here. So, Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13, now we have Jesus right? 30 years old, he's coming down to the Jordan River. It says, then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John, unto John the Baptist, to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, man, I've got need to be baptized of you, and you're coming to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, suffer it or allow it to be so now, for thus it becometh us, becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then, basically, John said, okay, I'll do it. He allowed him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. So Jesus saw something. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. But the person of the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove, and it lighted upon him. We know from Scripture exactly what happened. But when that happened, when the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, right? Look at what happened. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So then... To understand what happened when the Holy Ghost came upon Jesus, let's go to Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Because it explains it. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says this. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. In the Greek language it would read, how God, or God the Father, anointed Jesus Christ, right, or Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Ghost, and then it would go like this, even with power, miraculous power that's been released, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. That's why you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it prompts you to go start doing something. It empowers you to go about doing what God's called you to do. So, after this event happens in the Jordan River, now Luke chapter 4, let's jump over there. Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan. 
and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You've got to understand this. When Jesus came out of that water, he was full of the Holy Ghost. He went into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Those temptations, overcoming those temptations, did not make him stronger. He already was strong. He was full of the Holy Ghost. Okay? Being 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterwards was a uh, a hungered. Medical science will tell us if you don't eat anything after 40 days, every supply in your physical body is depleted. After about three days of a fast, your hunger goes away. But at 40 days, starvation hunger comes because you got to eat or you're going to die. Your body starts going, you better eat something or you're going to die. So this is what's happening. So at his weakest moment, that's when Satan came to him. Let me say this again. At his weakest moment physically, was he weak spiritually? No, he was full of the Spirit. You could feel weak physically, but it doesn't mean you're weak. And Satan will tell you you're weak. You're tired, you're weak. And he'll give you all kinds of examples how you've been working all this stuff and doing all this stuff. And then you'll get in a situation where you got to be strong. Listen, you could be weak physically and very strong spiritually. You are continually to be being filled with the Spirit of God. Right? Verse 5, let's jump down to verse 5. And the devil takes him up into a high mountain. How did he do that? Did he grab Jesus' body? No, he's not that powerful. He took him up in his thoughts. Jesus was tempted as we are tempted in all things. How are you tempted in your thought realm? Showed him unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, all this power, excusia, all this delegated authority. So he shows them all the nations, everything. Now, now what was Jesus called to do? He was called to bring the kingdom to the earth. Satan's basically going, hey, listen, I'm going to make you a deal. You're here to establish your kingdom. Listen, all this delegated authority in the earth has been given to me. It was transferred to me. That word delivered literally in the Greek means it was transferred unto me. When? In the Garden of Eden. When Adam chose, he wasn't deceived, he picked his wife over God. He saw her light go out when she ate. He saw her now as different. He was separated, and he, with eyes wide open, knew. And he said, nope, I'm choosing, I'm choosing to be with her instead of choosing. And, and he sold all of us out. Now, we can't get down on him, because how many times have you chosen something over God? Right? So we can't give Adam. I have a feeling you're not going to want to mess with Adam when you see him. I mean, you know, God's original creation, wow. I don't know how tall he was, but I bet he was a big dude, right? He said this, and to whomsoever I will give it. All this delegated authority has been given to me, and I can give it to whoever I want to give it to. Man, you see this in the secular music or entertainment industry. 
You don't think Satan has come and made deals? I remember one guy, guy from the, I think, 60s and 70s, man, this guy is still in concert. Very famous guy, if I said his name. And they were interviewing him going, you know, you're worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Why are you still doing concerts? And without hesitation, he goes, well, I'm just keeping up my end of the bargain with the man. And the guy goes, the man? He goes, yeah, you know, the man. Right? Satan's making all these deals, but guess what? He doesn't have that delegated authority anymore. He's just operating as an outlaw now because of what Jesus did. But he comes to Jesus. This had to be a temptation. It had to be true, otherwise Jesus would have said, oh, you're lying to me. So we see that that authority had been transferred to the enemy. He says to Jesus in verse 7, If you therefore will worship me, everything I'll give you. And Jesus answered and said to him, Look at how Jesus answered him. Why did he answer him this way? Because he was full of the Spirit. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. He said, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written. He always, here, so now we've got the word quoting the word. Thou shalt worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. In 2 Corinthians 4, you don't have to turn there, they'll throw it up here. In verse 3 and 4, it says something really interesting. It says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, that word world is the Greek word aeon, the God of this age hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. In other words, Satan is still able to blind people's minds if they choose not to believe. But if they choose to believe, he can't blind their mind. Isn't it amazing? I was telling the guys on Saturday, there was this minister, Lester Summerall, and in the Philippines, in Manila, it rocked the whole country. There was this woman, that was, this woman that was possessed, and she was doing all kinds of things, and man, they finally got her in prison. She'd shatter her handcuffs, throw men off of her like it was nothing. She's in this jail cell, and Lester Summerall's there, and, and, and God tells him, hey, I want you to go down and, and deliver this lady. Well, you know, being Lester, he's like, I don't want to do that, right? But anyway... He ends up going to the, the, where she was incarcerated, and they said, listen, he goes, hey, I need to, I need to go into this lady's cell and, and cast the demons out of her. And they go, oh, that'd be awesome, but we are not opening that door, and if you go in there, you'll die, right? So anyway, all of a sudden, she's making all this racket, doing all this stuff. All these guys in uniform are going back to where her jail cell is, so Lester just kind of goes with them. And he goes, guys... God's called me to deliver her. Just let me in. And they're like, she will kill you. She'll rip your head off, whatever they said, right? And so he goes, no, no, no. And he finally persuaded them. They said, okay, fine. But it's your life. So they cracked the door open. They pushed him in and slammed the door shut. Right? He casts all the demons out of her. She's completely delivered. It was in the newspaper that of this great deliverance that came to the Philippines right? He asked the lady, after all the demons were out of her, he said, so could those demons make you do something you didn't want to do? And she said, no, I had to agree with it. Otherwise they couldn't do it. This is a lady that's not born again. 
she still, it was still her decision. I think it was the president of the Philippines came to Lester and said, man, thank you so much. This is amazing. What can I do for you? He goes, I want, to, I want you to give me that church. It's like in downtown Manila. I think it's still there to this day. Luke chapter 4, you still there? Verse 14, jump down to verse 14. And Jesus, after the temptation, returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. See, Jesus was not walking in the power of the Spirit because he overcame the temptations. He was already strong. You gotta get this. Satan does not ever, 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 ever make you strong. God does. Well, God allows this in my life to help build strength into me. No. Satan doesn't ever build strength into you. He's trying to kill you, right? You do not automatically come out of battle stronger. Do you know that? Do you know there's people that go Christians, born-again Christians, that refuse to believe the word of God, that they will go from battle to battle to battle to battle, and, and it just it messes their life up. Satan doesn't make you stronger but God has provided it for you. And all you got to do is say yes. Praise God, pastor, that's good preaching. That's good. You come out of battles victoriously because you are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's why you come out of battles. So if you're not strong in the Lord and in the power of your might, a uh, power of his might, Make that decision. And you start putting the word of God first place. Because you've been made free as a Christian. Right now, you're free. Oh, you have no idea, man. The enemy's just eating my lunch. He has no power to do it. You're, you're choosing it. You're choosing it. Right? So we got, we got to teach this the way it is. Verse 16 of Luke chapter 4. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Oh, Jesus went to church. He didn't go on Sunday, though. He went on Saturday. But it, his custom was to go to church. I wonder if you should go to church, right? Well, I just, you know, I, I do. I'm a, I go online. Oh, okay. All right. So that's great. You've made that choice. But is that in line with the word of God? No. Now praise God for online because there's people. We have people in our church, man, that, that physically they're going through some stuff and they can't get to church right now. I love when they finally make it back. They're like, oh, this is so awesome. Right? I mean, that happens to us when we go on vacation. We come back, we're like, oh. Right? I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed Pastor Dave's message but I would have enjoyed it a lot more when I was on vacation if I could have been sitting here. Gaining this supply that all of you guys bring. We all bring this, right? So look at this. And there was delivered unto him the book of Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. So now Jesus, he opens it to Isaiah, what we would call Isaiah 61.1. 
verse 18, and he says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Literally, in the Hebrew language, it would read, the spirit of the Lord has been poured upon me. Because he, my father, hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Did you notice how Jesus said, I am anointed? Do you know you are anointed? Amen. Don't ever minimize that. I love that. He's anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. That's not just somebody that's bummed out. That, that word brokenhearted means I've come to heal those that have a breach in their spirit. Do you know every human being that does not, is not born again has a breach in their spirit? There's a void that only God can fill. Jesus came to heal that breach. Isn't that amazing? This word brokenhearted also talking about that breach, it means healing the soul from torment and emotional upheaval. That's the result of it. To preach deliverance to the captives or to the prisoners. Recovery of sight to the blind. Very interesting that there were no blind ever healed, no record of it until Jesus came on the scene. To set at liberty or to set free them that are bruised. That's a little vague in the King James. That word bruised means them that are oppressed. Who is the oppressor? Do you know as you walk in the anointing, as you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and walk in that anointing, wow, you could be used of God to set free those that are literally under the, uh, under the very control of the enemy. He's an oppressor. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. God anointed Jesus to preach the acceptable year of the Lord is to preach the year of Jubilee. Year of Jubilee, wow. When Jesus said this, it, you know it wasn't the year of Jubilee. But then he said this, he closed the book, he gave it again to the minister and he sat down. The eyes of everybody were on him in the synagogue. They were fastened on him and he began to say unto them, this day, in the literal Greek, it, it literally, he, what, this is what he began to say, from this day on is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Do you realize that when Jesus said that from that day to this day, we live in an eternal jubilee? Do you realize right now you live in an eternal jubilee? Why is that important? You know what happened on the year of jubilee? All debts were canceled. What? You mean you have a biblical right to believe God to eradicate debt in your life? Yes. Houses paid off, cars paid off, student loans paid off, medical bills paid off. You have a right to that. Interesting. Just even saying that, you could just tell people are like, oh man, that's just, yeah, you just got, you got to renew your mind to this. So now let's jump over to Matthew chapter 10. Now the next step, look at what, look at what he does now. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. So now Jesus is anointed, right? Notice he doesn't have all authority yet. He's still on the earth, but he's anointed, and he has authority. Why does he have 
Why does he have delegated authority? Because he was not born in sin. He was righteous. So when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power. He gave them excusia. He gave them delegated authority. Wow, Satan offered him delegated authority. But he had to remind Satan, hey, listen, I'm God. I'm righteous. I have delegated authority. Right? But that's what Satan will do to you. He'll try to tell you, hey, if you'll do this, I'll give you this. And what he says, you already have. Like he told Eve, hey, listen, if you just, listen, God doesn't want you to eat of this fruit because you'll be like him. She should have said, well, he, he made us like him. We're to govern, we have sovereign authority in the earth as he has sovereign authority in the universe. But he's a deceiver, right? He gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. And as you go, he said, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Or literally it would read like this, the kingdom of heaven has come to you. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers. Not the lepers, the lepers. I have a trouble saying that word for some reason. Raise the dead, cast out devils. Could you imagine these disciples? Excuse, did he just say raise the dead? Freely you have received, freely give. Boy, is that a message for the church today. Don't hold this to yourself. The power of God is here to heal you and here to set you free. They were to do what Jesus did in his name. So Luke chapter 10. After these things, in verse 1, the Lord appointed, right? This word appointed in the Greek literally means to appoint to some office by some outward sign. And the Lord appointed other 70 also, sent them two and two before his face into every place where he would go. Jump down to verse 17, and the 70 returned again with joy saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. Jesus hadn't even gone to the cross yet. And he said to them, now look at this, and he said to them, I, I beheld Satan fall as lightning. Now Jesus is talking about who he is in eternity. I was there when Satan was cast to the earth. Right? Isaiah 14, 12 says, Oh, how art thou fallen, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art you cut down to the ground? Talking about that. Jesus is saying in this statement, Jesus is saying, guys, you have been given delegated authority by me in my name. Why? Because Satan is already defeated. Oh yeah, he stole some authority from Adam and Eve, but I'm here to get it all back. See, when Jesus said this, Satan was the god of the world system. But he still was able to give them authority because he was righteous. Got to understand some of these things. Satan is a defeated foe. You should, you should keep that at the forefront of your mind because sometimes... You might think he's so big and bad because of the pain in your body or circumstances, but he is a defeated foe. He is a pre-Adamic, that's before Adam, loser. 
Satan is an illegal occupier of God's territory. We are the ones that God has given the nations and this earth to. Boy, when you go to prayer for your country, for your city, you need to know who you are. And then if you jump down to Luke 10, look at this. Look at this man in verse 19. He says, behold. He goes, guys, I want you to see this. I give unto you power, excusia, delegated authority to tread, to have absolute mastery over serpents and scorpions. That's, the, that's a type of the whole satanic hierarchy. And over all the power, that word power literally means ability of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now think about that. Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. But he was still able to do that. What you and I have as New Testament believers is more. Notwithstanding, look at what Jesus said to him though, notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Why is that important? Because our authority, your authority is all based on your relationship. You are God's child. Wow. So I'm going to close with this. This day went fast. Matthew 28, 18 and 19. Now we fast forward. Jesus comes out of the grave. And look at what he says. And Jesus came and spoke unto them saying, all power, all excusia, all delegated authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Verse 19, go ye therefore. Wow. In other words, in the redemptive act of Jesus, he got back all the authority that Satan lost. All of it. He got back the authority for us. Why? So that you and I would have authority in the earth. So Satan, is, he, he, so that he would not steal, kill, and destroy from you. We have been given authority in the name of Jesus. We've been given power in the person of the Holy Spirit. We are authorized and empowered. So therefore, this should change the way we live. You have so much power that you've been given, you can't keep it to yourself. You have been, you have been ordained to go into this earth and be light and yield all your fruit in your season and bind the enemy and lay hands on the sick and tell people of the love of God. We can't. It changes the way we live. Jesus' authority has to be perpetuated through his body in the earth. We must partake of the authority of Christ that his throne represents. That's our life. So we're going to talk more about that. Man, I'm telling you that, if that doesn't fire you up, you're looking at the wrong thing. And I think, as I'm sitting here, I think there's a whole bunch of people that are ready to step into a whole new place in God. That's why we're teaching this, guys. We are increasing. 
You are, you might, it might look like you're under right now, but you have no idea how over you are. So you keep, you keep your, your, you keep your eyes on Jesus. You keep his word in your mouth and you keep declaring who you are in him and what he's given you. And you'll see all of that stuff change in your life. And then you'll start to see all of that stuff start to change in other lives as God uses you that way. Amen.